Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brendan Escott with you for hour number two of Oilers Now here on this fine Wednesday. Appreciate you tuning in. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We're going to hear from David Staples momentarily. A little later on, John Shannon. And then the general manager of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, Kyle Chase. You want to keep in touch with us? You can do so on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. That's also our Ashley Fine Floors text line number. Ashley Fine Floors has floors strong enough for every mini sticks tournament. Oilers, 28-19-6, 62 points, second in the Pacific Division, 8-2-2 in their last 12 games. But a bit of a flat one last night as we bring aboard David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. David, a 3-0 shutout loss, a team that just didn't have any gas, and a team that also had a lot of opportunities bounce the wrong way for them. Yeah, Brendan, um, every team's going to have stinker games. And um, you know, I think the, the Oilers last had one. I think it was just after Christmas in Calgary. So if they have a stinker, stinker game every, like once every month, that's okay with me. You know, during the decade of darkness, we, we would see a stinker game here with, from the Oilers about once every five games where they played like that. So um, I'll, I'll take it. After that great run of play in January, um, you just can't win every game, and that was that was fine. This, this Oilers team, to me, uh, is for real. Yeah, you know, last night notwithstanding, this is this is a good hockey team. We're seeing the best hockey, I, you know, I think since actually um, we're seeing better hockey out of this team than we've seen from the Oilers, I think, since the Stanley Cup run. This is the best Oilers team that we've seen. With that in mind, what is making it seem different to you or more encouraging than the last time they made the playoffs a couple seasons back? There's a few things. Um, there's um, So... This team has kind of slowly come together, but Dave Tippett, I think, has done a masterful job of finding roles for every single player, fitting players into the lineup, finding the right spot for them. And this start, this starts at the top of the lineup. I mean, Dreisaitl and McDavid have been kind of a fixture for a long time together on line, but they were starting to have significant defensive problems. And, um, <laughs> excuse me, I got a bit of a cold. Um, significant defensive problems. And um, this really came to a four, I think, in December. You remember this huge streak where Dreisaitl was a minus player. For a long time, they were two of the most scored-upon players and even strength in the NHL. And finally, Tippett broke them up. And what we've seen is um, both players starting to thrive as two-way hockey players again. And I think it, Brian and I, you know, my own take is that when they're out there together, they don't know who is the center and who is the winger. 
and they get confused. And there's little moments, just brief moments of indecision and confusion on the ice. And NHL players, attackers, exploit those moments and they get into the slot, they're not covered, and they score a goal. When they're on their own as the center on their own line, they know they're the man. They're the main person responsible for helping out their own goalie. Um, in the defensive end, in the slot, helping out the defense and the goalie, and they get the job done in a way that they that they do not when they're together on the same line. So that was a huge move by Tippett, and of course it was made possible by Cutter Yamamoto coming up and uh, filling in a spot on the top six forwards. The other really good thing that's come together is the checking line, and it's been broken up a little bit. The, you know, I see the checking line at its best as uh, Shea and Josh Archibald and, and Joachim Nygaard well, Nygaard's been hurt and Archibald's been moved up to the top line. But um, when, when that line was together, and they were for most of that streak, that was a very, very effective unit. Um, finally, Caleb Jones coming up and providing de- both defensive depth uh, for injury, you know, first with Benning and now with Russell out, and also his puck moving. That's been a huge thing for daughters. So this has played out, like when, when a team goes on a big heater, you always wonder, is that sustainable? Is that going to continue? You know, is, is it, are they doing it with mirrors? Are they, are they getting a lot of puck luck? But in the first 41 games, Brendan, the Oilers had 10.6 grade A chances per game and 11.1 against. So, you know, they were kind of lucky in the first 41 games on a certain level to be a 500 team. But in these last 12 games, the Oilers have averaged 12.6 grade A scoring chances for per game and have given up just 9.4 against. That's a 3.2 grade A scoring chance. And these are the hard, dangerous shots from the slot that we track at the Cult of Hockey. That's a huge differential for a team. And when you're doing that, it's no wonder they've been on this kind of winning streak. And it's given me a lot of confidence that this winning streak is completely sustainable, that they can, they can keep being a team that wins, let's say, um, 6 out of 10 games, 5.5 out of 10 games the rest of the season. And... Um, can compete in the playoffs. And they're going to get an opportunity here to right the ship almost immediately. I know Bob is saying that San Jose has got a lot going for them, um, and they're going to be a desperate team, but also a very beatable team to me, and that's the next docket or the next game on the docket coming up tomorrow night. And then you've got Nashville, who seems to be a very fragile group, and I don't know what to make of Chicago this year. So an opportunity to really push this and start building some separation. I think they got lucky last night in the sense, David, that everybody else that they're sort of in the running with lost as well outside of Arizona so it was kind of a, a, a bit of a weird game in that sense with the bounces they weren't getting and then ultimately the luck that they did get but with we can start to see and I heard Ken, Ken Holland talk on the television broadcast last night we, we've done our, our evaluating now it's time to start working the phones what is the most pressing issue that they could address before the trade deadline yeah, um, well, I did a fan poll on this on Twitter yesterday. Other people have done the same thing. And, and what I found was I was just asking fans, what should the orders do at the trade deadline? And in the poll, uh, 54% said trade for a top winger. So a top uh, six winger. That, so the vast, the majority of Oilers fans think that, that that top winger is the priority. And then 20% said trade for a third line center. 7% said uh, trade for depth veterans. And 19% said do nothing. So there's about there's 26% of, of Oilers fans, it looks like, who are who would be content if the Oilers did absolutely nothing at the trade deadline, which is fascinating. And I also, I was looking down the uh, 
the, 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 the trade bait list from TSN of the top 30 trade bait players. And I had a real strange sensation, Brendan. Usually when I look at that list, I'm thinking, oh, you got to get this guy. you got to try to get that guy. Like, there's just endless needs on the Oilers. But this time I looked down, I just thought, oh, boy, he, you know, is he really better than the guy the Oilers have? Or do you, do you really want to pay that price? You know, is he going to, like, for instance, you could, you know, Chris Kreider is apparently available. Apparently doesn't want to come to Canada, but for a first-round draft pick. Yeah. But the Oilers already have James Neal and uh, Zach Cassian on that top line. Would you bet, how much would you bet, be willing to bet, that James Neal is going to outperform Chris Kreider in a playoff series? I mean, James Neal is, he's not a very, uh, you know, he can only crank it up for so many games. But in the playoffs, you know, a veteran like that, who's really smart and nasty and um, motivated, I think he might just be able to outperform a guy like Chris Kreider over a short playoff series or over a, a runoff playoff game. So I'm not actually convinced. I'm kind of in that camp that will be content if they do nothing. I'm not convinced that they have to trade um, draft picks or, or players um, to do anything. That said, the orders do have some assets. You know, they, they could probably move pretty good minor league defensemen. Um, they, they might be able to move uh, a depth forward and maybe a, a mid-round pick and get something. But I'm kind of in the um, depth veterans do nothing camp myself. I'm not keen for them to trade um, a, a second round draft pick or definitely not the first. No, and if I if I'm speaking honestly, I don't think that the the the, the organization is eyeing playoffs, but the organization is not selling out for playoffs this year. They're not going to make a move for the short term and. There's no sense, in my opinion, in bringing a guy like Chris Kreider in if he's already blatantly said, I don't want to play in Canada. Then don't, because you're not going to be you know, a very effective player at that rate. But with that also being said, outside of J.G. Pajot, there aren't really many options at third-line centre to be to even acquire outside of maybe if you wanted to try and take a, a move at or a run at Kyle Turris, but what are you getting on the value of that contract this year? Absolutely nothing. So it, it almost seems like a bizarre time for them to be looking to add. One of the names that keeps coming up is Benino from um, Nashville. So I'm not sure. I can't recall off the top of my head how, how long he has left on his contract. Don't know if Nashville would be willing to move him. He's a third-line center with some offense. Um, so, so maybe that's a guy that they would look at. Pajot, I wonder if he'll get a first for Ottawa or not. I mean, he's been on a real heater, but he's also very, had a very high uh, shooting percentage this year. So that's kind of worrisome. I mean, Riley Sheehan has been doing just fine. Agreed. Um, <laughs> excuse me, as a checking line center. So, again, I'm just I'm not convinced that that you you'd want to give up. Like it looks like the second round pick, and probably a. Um, a strong minor hockey defense, like a minor league defenseman like Loggison would be would be going the other way. And I don't know if you'd want to do that. I mean, I guess you can't keep, probably can't keep Loggison next year, so you might want to move him. But um, again, I, I like the orders lineup as it is, and it's it's really performing. So I'm not sure that anything needs to be done. Chatting with the, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. And, you know, you can talk about the difference between what's, on Ken Holland's list and what's going to be realistic to actually acquire. I think the theme that I've seen most this season is the Oilers are being linked to names that Ken Holland's most familiar with, and Thomas Tatar is one out of Montreal who I've heard tossed around a little bit. What do you think of that? He's a good player. Athanasio is a good player. I mean, every time I watch Athanasio, I'm on the edge of my seat because the guy's so fast. 
he's a heck of a hockey player. Now, I think um, he's an RFA. So if you do trade for him, at least you're going to have his rights um, after this summer. Like, you can sign him. Right. Um, so would you give up a second-round pick, Logason, Jujar Kara, something like that? I don't know. Like, would Detroit take that? Here's the thing, Brendan. Like, whatever the Oilers, it's a market. So there's going to be some team that might be more desperate than the Oilers for all of these players. And they're just going to offer a little bit more. So this is what I think, this is how I think the market's going to play out. Is because the Oilers aren't really as desperate as some teams because they're, they look like they're probably going to make the playoffs, but are they really a Stanley Cup contender? So the real Stanley Cup contenders are going to pay a little bit more, and the teams really desperate to make the playoffs might play, pay a little bit more. So I just think the owners are going to get outbid on player after player. And, and again, I'm okay with that because I think the prices at the, at the trade deadline historically have been too high. Last thing I want to talk to you about, David, is the rumor that Darnell Nurse is looking for about $8 million a season on a contract. I, I do think that's a little unrealistic from his camp, but they also, in the interest of the player, are going to come in high off the top. Uh, is that sort of mentality going to maybe handcuff Holland a little bit, knowing that this is a guy that they're going to try and get signed, but it also could be heavy on the books? Yeah, that's a very he's a very controversial player right now because of that that uh, rumored contract dollar amount. I really, I'm a real uh, fan of Darnell Nurse, and I know he has his detractors, and I know he's not Kale McCarr with the puck, but Kale McCarr isn't Darnell Nurse um, hacking Mac, Matthew Kachuk to the ice either, is he? I mean, how many defensemen do you have who can skate like Nurse, uh, fight like Nurse, um, move the puck? on his stick like nurse defend like nurse darnell nurse is a is he's an he's a strong top four nhl man. and if you don't have darnell nurse in your top four you're looking for a player like that forever i mean we finally developed this player and we have him in the top four and we will be missing him missing him missing him if he's gone that said listen anything over seven million dollars a year for nurse is just I just think it's it's just too aggressive from the agent, and I think it's not in line with the player. He's a really solid top four defenseman with a lot of game. Um, I, you know, the Josh Morrissey contract should be the comparable. That was $6.2 million over eight years. Um, again, Morrissey's a little bit different player than Nurse, but Nurse offers things that Morrissey doesn't. And I just I, I hope that uh, the Nurse camp uh, becomes more reasonable as this goes along. Um, I think it's not necessarily a benefit to a player to sign for more money in this cap era than he's worth because that just follows the player around forever. Look at Milan Lucic and the burden he's under on all the pressure. So I just I, I hope that both sides are reasonable, and I think that it you know something around six anything six point five and under, and I won't be complaining um, on a long term deal. I'll be I'll be happy with that. Well, we know they've got Caleb Jones in on a bridge deal. I think that'll help alleviate some of the pressure because he seems to me like he's going, if not right now, very soon to be here to stay. Uh, Tyler Benson's going to make his debut, if not against the Sharks, then probably in the next couple of games thereafter. What are you expecting to see out of the Edmonton product? I I think a strong two-way game. I, I've watched um, you know 10 to 15 games uh, from Bakersfield this year on AHL TV. I've been keeping track of him that way. He is a very smart player with the puck. He's good on the boards. He's good defensively. I think you could slot him into any line 
one through four, and he'll make a different kind of contribution, but he'll hold his own. He's not a fast player, but he can really, really pass that puck. So I think he can play with McDavid. I think he can um, uh, make plays with with Dreisaitl or Nugent Hopkins, but he could also play fit in on a checking line. He's a gritty player. He's a tough guy. He's a fiery competitor. Sometimes I've seen Bakersfield down, and, and Benson's a guy who will take a run at an opposing player to fire up his own team. So um, I like him, and I'm just, I'm, you know, obviously I'm just really rooting for him if he gets in the lineup. He's a, a local Edmonton player, but I think he'll he'll be fine. He's very much, he has a game very similar to Sam Gagne right now. Gagne's kind of a gritty, smart, two-way hockey player, not the fastest guy, and that's kind of what uh, Tyler Benson's like. David, I always appreciate your time. How do people find your work? Just go to the Cult of Hockey, Google it, and you'll find us right there. Awesome stuff. Thank you, David. Feel better, hey? We'll get a lozenge for you the next time we see you. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Sorry about that. Take care. That is David Staples. So some interesting points there, and I definitely agree with David that that, that initial asking price for Darnell Nurse near $8 million, mm, I, I got to turn my nose up at that one a little bit. This was a season to prove that he was worth that, and offensively, he's just not doing enough. I, I get what he does in the defensive zone, but to me, that's not an $8 million player. That's closer to six and a half if you look around the league. We'll get some more thoughts from you at our Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Also come back with the James H. Brown injury report. Brendan Escott with you today on Oilers Now. 125 in Edmonton. You already know the cars cost less in Wetaskiwin, so make sure to go down and see Uncle Milt, Johnny and the gang, Brent Ridge Ford. They're an eight-time President's Diamond Awards winner for customer satisfaction, and they're blowing out 2019 F-150s. We're talking up to 20 grand off select models. Give the gang and Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin a call. That's 1-877-477-3673 or visit Brent Ridge dot com. Let's quickly go to the injury report. That's brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. The Coyotes did send Barrett Hayton down to Tucson for a conditioning stint as he continues recovering from that shoulder separation that he suffered as the captain of the Canadian World Junior Team. Capitals rookie sensation netminder Ilya Samsonov well, he wore an Alex Ovechkin shot up top at practice, considered day-to-day with an upper body injury. Tons of players around the league day-to-day with illness, including P.K. Subban, Carey Price, Victor Mete, Jordan Wheel, Calais Yarncronk, and Curtis Lazar. And Hurricanes forward Jordan Martinook left their last game, considered day-to-day with an upper body issue. A couple of messages here. At 780-496-0063, the Ashley Fine Flores text line. Listen, I don't think there's a more polarizing player on the Oilers than Darnell Nurse. Rugged from Stoon says, Nurse is a beast. Got to find a way to keep him, but at a reasonable number. Eight is too rich. I thought five and a half for four years was something that could work. He does a lion's share of heavy lifting physically. He should not be the fourth highest player in salary on the blue line. I agree with that. They're going to have to pay him like he is part of the core of this team. But again, does he do enough offensively to warrant eight? Not in my opinion. Absolutely not. 
I must be watching a different hockey player because I can't see what your guest sees in Nurse. He's constantly making bad decisions, which lead to bad passes and plays. I wouldn't give him more than four and a half a year for two years until he proves himself more. Eight million is ridiculous and greedy. Okay, well, from the perspective of the player, he just took a bridge deal. He's not doing it again. He's watching other guys around the league get paid. He's going to get paid. There's no doubt about that. It's not going to be a two-year deal. The Oilers are going to be working on getting him here long-term. Mark, former D-man Mark, says $8 million a year, Nurse would have to be traded. He's a $6.5 million guy if you're a good team. Will be a bad team if Nurse is making $8 million. He'll need to be bridged. If the Nurse camp wants eight, they'll have to wait two more years until the cap increases. I suppose that'd be the argument if they were going to wait on that. But this was the show-me season, as I referenced before. Nurse has showed me he's good. Nurse hasn't showed me he's great yet. We'll hear from John Shannon on the other side of a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson and then general manager of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, Kyle Chase. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.